Have you ever just had one of those weeks that's just really, really, really good? You have a number of projects that you've started, and each one of those projects you get done. And you've had a number of those in one week, and things are just going so well for you. Have you ever had one of those weeks where you're averaging your planting of 400 acres of corn per day? It's just going that well that everything's just working so well that you got 400 acres in the ground already taken care of. Have you ever had one of those days where 15,000 pounds of culvert pipe have gone out the door in your production and you've just seen that and just amazed over 15,000 pounds of pipe per day being made? Have you ever had one of those weeks where you sold eight cars in a week? It's just that good of a week that things are just going that well. Have you ever had one of those weeks where you sold 70 gallons of ice cream per day? It's just going that well. Some of us have. Think about that week, though. Think about how good it is to be at that point of the week. Think about it only being Thursday. You've got two more days of, of this high, unbelievable, blessed week. You know what? It doesn't compare to the first week of creation. And you know what? We're only on Thursday. This morning, we're going to continue our journey through Genesis. And we arrive this morning on day five as we come to Genesis 1 verses 20 through 23. Now, I want to take a moment here and recap the events of this first week. Genesis 1-1, we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is a thesis statement for what we're going to see in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2. That's going to be all covered in this section. Moses gave us that thesis statement and shared with us that thesis statement to what's going to unfold for us in the future. Now, day one of creation, we read this in Genesis 1, verses 2 through 5. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. On day one, God created light. The earth was covered in darkness, it was covered in water. God spoke, and there was light. God separated the light from the darkness, and all of that took place on day one. At that moment, the earth began to rotate, and it was a 24-hour period of time. That was day one. Day two, we read in Genesis 1, verses 6 through 8, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. So God separated the waters. He put an expanse between the waters 
and he put an expanse between the waters below and the expanse above, or the waters above. There was ex an expanse in between those things. This was where on day two that God created the universe. And again in verse 8 we see, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Day 3, Genesis 1, verses 9 through 13. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together. He called seas. And God saw that it was good. So God separated the dry land from the water. This was the third and final separation that we saw here in this first week. God gathered all of the water together. God called the dry land earth. He called the water sea. The realms of his creation were complete. You have the heavens, you have the earth, and you have the seas. All three of them were complete, and they were waiting for inhabitants. Day 3 continues in verse 11. It says this, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Vegetation sprouted on the dry land and life began. God began filling these realms of creation. Each of those plants that God placed had the ability to reproduce. He put limits on them so that they could only reproduce according to their kind. There was no jumping of kind. It was all done according to its kind. And again we read there was evening and there was morning the third day. So it all happened in a 24-hour period on the third day as well. Day four was next. Just because it comes after three works out well that way. Verse 14 says this, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. So God then placed the occupants into that realm of heaven. He placed the sun... He placed the moon, and oh yeah, he also placed the stars in that realm as well. These celestial bodies would rule over the day, they would rule over the night. God attached the light to these bodies, and these bodies would mark days, they would mark months, and they would mark years. God spoke, and they were so. No evolutionary process whatsoever in any of those days can be seen. God spoke, and it was so. And verse 19 says, there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. It all happened in 24 hours. So there you are. 
the first four days of creation. What a week it's been to this point, those four days. And like I've said many of time, I hope there's video when we get there. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Now we come to day five. Look at Genesis 1 verse 20. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Day two, the sea and the sky were separated. Day five, the sea and the sky will be populated. As we look at this passage today, there are two things that we want to see. We're not working again, Nate. There we are. All right. So day five, we'll back one up, up one, Nate. There we go. So day five, we see populating the sea and we see populating the sky. Now, as we go through these and as we read those verses, you notice it talks about populating the sea and then populating the sky. Populating the sea, populating the sky in the same verse. So we'll go through all of the populating the sea first, and then we'll go back and go through populating the sky. Hopefully with just these three verses, it won't be too complicated for me. Hopefully you can lead me through this. All right. With Nate's help and without the remote, we'll be okay. All right. Let's pray as we begin, shall we? Father, we're so grateful, so grateful for your creation, so grateful that your creation is recorded for us in Scripture. Lord, man has tried so many different things to try to discover where we came from and how life began. And Lord, I just read this last week, a, a new thought. And Father, we know that none of these things that men dream up replace the truth. And so, Lord, this morning... As we open your truth, I pray that you would reveal your truth to us. And I pray, Lord, that your truth would, would firm up our foundation that we're standing upon. Lord, that we would realize and understand that you are the creator of all things, that there is no other. Father, we're so thankful for your word. And I, I pray this morning we would hear from you, that we would hear your word. We're so thankful for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Again this morning, the first thing we want to look at is the populating of the sea. Look there in verse 20 with me. It says, and God said. Just like we've seen so far, and God said. This is the beginning of every day of creation. And God said. God spoke, and that day of creation began. God spoke, and those things that were there existed. Things that weren't there before came into existence as God spoke. This was God's approach to creation. We've said it multiple times that God could have used any way that He wanted to. This was God's approach. No evolutionary process here whatsoever. God spoke, 
and it was so. And as you look at Genesis 1, there really is no room for any evolutionary process to be inserted. Because we read, and God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. There's no room to insert evolution here. It's what Scripture shares with us. Verse 20 continues, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. We saw God last time divide the waters from dry land. That was on day three. The waters, when God divided them, they were empty. There were absolutely no inhabitants in that water whatsoever. But now God speaks, and the waters swarm with swarming things. It says, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. It literally says in the Hebrew, let the waters swarm with swarming things. Think through this with me for just a second. Imagine yourself here for some reason. In the ocean, in your favorite lake, in your favorite pond, I don't care. Swimming. And all of a sudden, all of these swarming things begin to swarm. There was nothing in your pond, and all of a sudden, everything is in your pond. It happened instantaneously. These swarming things on day three, the vegetation did not move. These swarming things were swarming. They were moving about, living creatures. And this word for living creatures, this word for creatures is used for the very first time right here. He doesn't use it in reference to the vegetation. He uses it right here. And this is the thought of things moving that possess life. That's this thought that's here behind this word, creatures. Let the water swarm with swarms of moving, living things. This is what took place. Psalm 104, verse 24 says this, O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom have you made them all the earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. At this moment... At this moment in creation, in this moment in day five, these swarming things begin swarming and they populate the seas. They populate the waters. Now, drop down to verse 21. Skip the last part of verse 20 and look at verse 21. So God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm. He mentions here great sea creatures. Notice that he speaks about, in verse 20, about swarming things that swarm. You would think that would include sea creatures. Some people look at this and they, they believe that this sea creatures here, that Moses is putting an emphasis on, on whales and on animals that, that swim, that are air-breathing, that are in the sea. The dinosaurs that are in the sea, that maybe that's what Moses is trying to emphasize. But you know what's interesting is that a number of ancient civilizations 
believed that there were gods in the sea. And they believed that their gods came from the sea, that their gods were in the sea. The Philistines believed that their god Dagon was half man, half fish. They have drawings of Dagon, and he looks like the original merman. From his waist down, he's a fish. From his chest up, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) with long hair. That was their god Dagon. Now, as you think about that, notice what it says in verse 21. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm. Moses shares that everything is in the sea, but then there's an emphasis there that, hey, even those sea creatures that some of y'all worship, God created them too. They're not gods. They're not something to be worshipped. They are just myths. They are just creatures that God spoke into existence. The gods that you worship in the sea have nothing on the Creator God because He created your gods. So really, your gods aren't gods at all. They're fish. That's it. That's what Moses emphasizes here. There's no reason to worship them because the Creator God created everything, including the great sea creatures. Verse 21, it continues. It says, So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. There's no room for evolution here. God created each one according to its kind. God didn't create one animal and then leave it behind and let them come up with all the different kinds. God created each kind. Now think about that for a moment. That would include whales. That would include tuna. That would include seafaring dinosaurs, the Leviathan that Job talks about. It would include plankton. It would include shrimp. Let's think about shrimp. For, no, let's not. <laughs> that would include jellyfish. Everything that you think about in the sea, God spoke into existence. He created all of them. And all of them according to its kind. God designated them as its kind. Not, not leaving it up to their own choice. But God designated each one, designed each one, created each one according to its kind. Now notice verse 22. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. This is the first time that we read this word blessed. The first place that it's used right here. Blessed is the most common word in the Old Testament for God doing something favorable to someone or something. And as we look at it here, 
blessing is given to the sea creatures. What does this mean? Blessed, be blessed. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. This is the blessing that God gives is for them to be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful and multiply is a term for reproduction. So God has placed these creatures in the sea and they are able to multiply. God created them and enabled them with the ability to reproduce. Now, just a couple things for you to think about. Cod. They lay 9 million eggs. Now, I thought that was in a lifetime. That is not a lifetime. That is in one breeding season. Nine million eggs. I think I'll have fish and chips for lunch today. Probably shrimp too. Herring. Herring or slackers. They only lay 70,000 eggs. So they're, they're not that impressive. Think about that capability though. And God created them at this time to reproduce in that way. Well, you think that would be a standard that God would just use a pattern, you know, and, and just with His pattern lay it down and, and just crank out all of these fish to be able to do that. Well, God on this same time also created the whale. The whale carries their young. They don't lay eggs, they carry their young. For 10 to 18 months, depending on the whale. The whale has a calf every one to six years. They give birth to a calf. They give birth to a calf tail first. A lot of God's creation comes out head first. But in order to keep the whale from drowning, it comes out tail first so it's able to swim right away. Can you imagine that, being born with the ability to swim right away? The whale has that ability. Whales nurse just like mammals on dry land. God created them and they're born that way, created that way, able to produce that way. It didn't take years and years to come up with that pattern. God created them that way. As a result of their ability to reproduce, they would fill the waters. They would populate the sea. The next thing we see after we see populating the sea is God populating the sky. Let's go back to verse 20. Verse 20 begins and it says, And God said... You skip over the fish there. It says, Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God spoke and the waters swarmed. God spoke and birds appeared. Now, let's go back to the same illustration where you're swimming in your pond. Let's think about you sitting on a lawn chair 
just hanging out, looking at your freshly washed car. And all of a sudden, birds appear out of nowhere, where at one time there were no birds. And all of a sudden, there are birds. By the Word of God, they appeared. It says that they flew across the expanse of the heavens. This word that's used here is so cool. The word that's used here means that they flew across the front of the heavens. Think about that for a moment. We saw God create the expanse, and He named the expanse heavens. The heavens are where the stars are at. The heavens are where the sun and the moon are at. And the birds fly across the front of the heavens. A hundred feet, two hundred feet, a thousand feet in the air. That's just the front of the heavens. Isn't that cool? I just think that's awesome. God's Word is so amazing that way. But that's where the birds would fly. That would be their area of flight, would be in the front of the heavens. God spoke, said, let the birds fly above the earth, across the front of the heavens, and it was so. That's where they were. Now notice verse 21. We're going to do the same thing. So God created at the beginning, skip all of the fish, every winged bird according to its kind. So as God created every fish according to its kind, God created every winged bird according to its kind. Hummingbirds flap their wings 80 times per second. Howard was watching them this week and told me that. Counted them. 80 times. Do you know that a hummingbird has the ability to move his wings so that he can hover? Hummingbirds can fly backwards. Hummingbirds can fly forward at 49 miles per hour. That's fast. But did you know that a peregrine falcon can dive for its prey at 200 miles per hour? That's fast. I drove down Medina Road one time. No, just kidding. <laughs> 200 miles an hour. Now think about this. Verse 21 says, So God created every winged bird according to its kind. At this moment, God created the hummingbird and the peregrine falcon at the same time. And every bird in between. God created birds according to their kind. There is no evolution of species here, or there is no room of evolution of species here at any time. Now, there is adaptation within a species, but adaptation is different than evolution. I'm sure you guys have all heard about Darwin's discovery of finches at the Galapagos Islands. It was there on the islands that Darwin observed finches. 
And as he observed these finches, he noticed they were different, they were different in, the, in the design and the makeup of their beaks. Their beaks were different. And Darwin used that as one of the examples of evolution. Because they have beaks that are different. That is not evolution. That is adaptation. Because a finch with a weird beak is still a finch. A finch with a beak that that curls over the end is still a finch. It doesn't change. It's still a bird. That does not change. God created all of them according to its kind. There wasn't any evolution involved in any way. Each was created according to its kind. Now, let's take a step back here and let's, let's look at verse 20 and verse 21 in its entirety. God spoke and the swarming things began to swarm. God spoke and the flying things began to fly. And God did that at the same time. Not billions of years in between. God spoke and it happened. Now, think about anything that we mass produce. We have a design. We use that design time and time again to mass produce. God spoke. There's differences between birds and fish. Feathers opposed to scales. You think about some of the fish, they don't even have scales. There's a difference in their their bone structure. There's a different texture of the meat. I could give you chicken, and I could give you tuna, and even if you are an unprofessional chef, you would be able to identify the difference just in their texture. God didn't create them the same. There's diversity in His creation. He created them like that. Do you know they even have different flavors? Do you know that tuna doesn't taste like chicken? I don't care what they say. Because <laughs> don't everybody tell you that everything tastes like chicken? It's not true. Fish does not taste like chicken. God created things differently. God spoke, and it came into existence at this moment. Now notice back to verse 22, the last part of verse 22. God said, and let birds multiply on the earth. God gave them the ability to reproduce. God gave them the ability to reproduce. I saw this. And I just want to share this with you. Living creatures, I don't know if you know this or not, but living creatures are complex creatures. This one man, his name is von Neiman, he did a study of living creatures. And he came to this conclusion that all living creatures have three properties. The first property, all living creatures are self-sustaining. That means 
that they have ability to sustain their own life. All right? They can sustain their own life by eating, drinking, by having their bodies heal and recover from injuries. They have the ability to sustain their own lives. They are self-repairing. I guess this would be the healing part. They're self-repairing. They're able to to fix themselves. All right? So that's self-repairing. They're also self-reproducing. They're able to reproduce. Now, because Van Neiman discovered this, this is called the Van Neiman machine because living creatures have all three of these properties. Living creatures all have the Van Neiman machine programmed within themselves. We don't learn any of these things. These things are all programmed in us. There has to be a design, doesn't there? There has to be a designer. But you know, in all of man's efforts, man has not been able to manufacture anything like this. God simply spoke and it took place. God spoke and it took place. Doesn't that just boggle your mind? God spoke and it took place. If it doesn't boggle our mind, then we're not thinking that God just spoke (laughs) fish and birds. Just like that. Now go back to verse 21. And look at the end of verse 21. And God saw that it was good. The ocean is now inhabited. Flying things are now in the sky, flying in the front of the heavens. God being the judge, God being the one who determines what is good, says it is good. God saw that it was good. Notice verse 23. Just in case throughout any of this stuff we fell asleep, in case we got distracted in some way, Moses brings us back to reality. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Maybe in our process of thinking we think, well, you know what? Fish were in the sea and they crawled out and they became birds and then they flew. Moses says, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. This happened in 24 hours, people. This is what Moses is saying. That's what it says in the Hebrew. 24 hours, people. Day five was complete. That's what he says here. Evening and morning. Well, what kind of day is he thinking about? Evening and morning. What kind of days do we have in Medina? Evening and morning. We've changed ours around a little bit, haven't we? It's now morning and evening, but it's still the same. Evening and morning, the fifth day. And with that, day five comes to an end. Day five ends with the creation of with the populating of the sea, 
and with the populating of the sky. That's what we have in day five. In the sea where there was nothing, at the end of day five is now populated with swarming things. Day five began with an empty sky and now has birds flying in the sky. Day five, we had an empty sea. Now we have a sea full of swarming things that can reproduce and produce more swimming things. More swarming things. Day five began with nothing, and now there are flying things that can reproduce and produce more flying things. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If at this point in day five, if we haven't come to this conclusion already, We've got to take this home today. As we think about all of this new stuff that keeps coming out, we need to remember that as they bring this new information, and I use the rattlesnake bites, as they bring this new information, we've got to go back to the old information and know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Life did not come from Mars. It did not crawl out of the sea. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, as we think about that, as that's our focal point, I think another thing we can take home from this is that God is sovereign and He is the creator of all things. God is sovereign. That means He rules over everything. God is above everything. He makes all of the decisions. He's the designer. He's the creator. As we think about difficulties that we face, as we think about trials that we encounter, why would we go anywhere else other than the one who is able to create all things? We can go to the creator. And you know, as we think about this, there's a reminder here that the creator can be known. The creator can be known. There's some great inventions that have been made. And you know what? A lot of those inventors have already passed away. We can't go to them and ask them questions. We can't go to them and, and take our troubles to them and expect them to figure things out. I mean, wouldn't that be something if... Some of the issues that we have with our automobiles, wouldn't it be great to just go to the inventor and say, what's going on here? Why is this not working? I mean, think about how great that would be. But you know, we can go to the creator of the universe and we can take our issues to him. And as we think about him being able to create fish, and create birds by speaking and having the diversity of creation there? Why could he not handle the issues that we're facing? 
why is our marriage too big a deal for him to take care of? Why are our children too big of a thing for him to care about? Why are the results we're waiting on from the doctor too big for him to take care of? How come when we look in the future and see uncertain times ahead of us, times when we're not sure what's going to happen next, how can we not turn to the one who is able to create all things and just say, you know what? I don't know how you created fish. I like how they taste. I don't know how you did it. But you know what? You were perfect on that design of the fish. Why can't I trust you to take care of the direction that my life is going in? Why can't I entrust my life to you that you will direct me and this next step. You created the porpoise. You did a great job. Surely, I can give you my life and trust you to lead in the direction that you would have my life to go. And I can step back and let you work it out. So amazed so many times in Scripture when people are brought to their knees in prayer. One of the things they mention is that you are the Creator. That's who they go to is the Creator. Doesn't that just put all of our issues in perspective? Our Creator God is the God we serve. The God who is the creator of all things wanted a relationship with us and he sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to die in our place. Because sin separated us from God. Sin separated us from our creator. But God wanted to have a relationship with us. He sent his son into the world so that we could have a relationship. God wants us to know Him. So He sent this book. He protected this book so that we could gather together on March 18, 2018 and learn about Him from His book. Our Creator God did that for us. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. So what, what do we pray about this week as we pause each night at 9 o'clock and spend some time in prayer? I don't know about you, but I was visiting with somebody the other day. Well, the other day. Probably a year ago. The other day. And they told me that they're always the first one to notice a robin. When the robins come back, they're always the first one to see a robin. You know what I've been looking for? I've been looking for robins. I don't know if I won yet or not. He hasn't responded, but I sent him a message. 
Saw my first one last Sunday. So cool. So cool. So this week, as we see some of these birds return, as we put our little hummingbird feeders up, as we buy shotgun shells for the birds that land in our yards, Let's be praising God for the creatures that He put in the sky. As we go to Red Lobster this afternoon and sit down for the all-you-can-eat shrimp, let's praise God for the three creatures that He put. Nine million eggs. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.